0: It's not a book, but before I start this podcast, I really want to give a shout out to my mom who has started her own podcast with a friend of hers, Lisa Frost. And so it's called Across the Kitchen Table with Lisa and Michelle. And I really hope you'll go check it out because if you've listened to any of my podcasts, you've heard me mention times that my mom has said very wise and insightful things to me and so i really hope you'll go get some of that firsthand uh, listening to across the kitchen table wherever podcasts are found welcome to my podcast where we go on a contemplative journey through my neighborhood and my thoughts I hope you'll enjoy hearing me ramble about my experiences, lessons, and questions on a walk with purpose, a walk with meaning, a walk with Paul. A couple weeks ago, I was having a bad day, or I really should say I was having a bad night because on top of my ongoing uh, arm injuries, I also had walked too much in bad shoes and had uh, gotten a slight case of peroneal tendinitis, so I couldn't walk around much, and uh, my body has decided it does not want to digest gluten, and so I was having, I was up in the middle of the night with a really bad stomach ache, just, you know, just feeling the weight of everything, just feeling it, all kind of come down on me at once. And, you know, you're up in the middle of the night, you're not feeling good, you're looking for something to do, and I was just perusing my bookshelf. And on my bookshelf, there was a book that has been there for years, but somehow I've never read this book until this night that I really needed it. So, I pulled the door in the wall off of the shelf, and started reading it. And, it was exactly what I needed to hear. It's a story about a kid in, like, medieval times, whose, you know, dad is gone off to war, and his mom is, is out of town, and serving in the palace for a long time, and and he is supposed to go join his father eventually, but he contracts some sort of disease, or we, we don't really know why, but his legs stop working, and he is bedridden for a long time. And eventually a monk comes and takes him to the local monastery, and starts caring for him. And something that that monk said just really hit me. Right right where it needed to. He's, he's sitting there, and he asks the boy to remember his father's gardens, and, and the wall that runs around them. And he said, do you remember there being a door in the wall? And he says please remember that thou hast only to follow the wall far enough and there will be a door in it and that was just so encouraging to me that life is the wall and 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 we must just keep following it and you all you often hear that you know when one door closes another one opens or a window opens or something but But no, I think it's more like this. It's more of, there's a wall. And sometimes there's no door. Sometimes there's not a way forward through the wall, over the wall. But we just have to keep following the wall. And eventually, there will be a possibility. There will be a change. There will be an opportunity. We just have to keep following that wall. I am on a walk, and I've been reading a lot of books recently, and I'd really like to tell you what they are teaching me and speaking to me, and the lessons in them that are encouraging me. A little bit later in the book, the friar says, whether thou walk soon i know not this i know we must teach thy hands to be skillful in many ways and we must teach thy mind to go about whether thy legs will carry thee or no for reading is another door in the wall and so reading learning it's always a place we can grow in that's why i love reading so much that while i can't do exactly what I dream of doing in life right now, I can read. I can grow my knowledge of the world and how it works. I can gather stories to share with people. Towards the end of this book, he says, each of us has a place in the world. If we cannot serve in one way, there is always another. If we do what we are able, a door always opens to something else. Life isn't always what we think it's gonna be. Things change and, and unexpected things happen. And we will have to change with them. We will have to move and, and let go of some things sometimes. But there always is a place for us to serve and and add good in the world. I'm in a group that meets every other Wednesday um, that likes reading C.S. Lewis. And if you know me, you know that C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors. And so we are reading a, a, a short uh, essay he wrote, or I guess he, he, I think he gave it as a talk. It's called The Weight of Glory. And in here... He says, we are always falling in love or quarreling, looking for jobs or fearing to lose them, getting ill and recovering. If we let ourselves, we shall always be waiting for some distraction or other to end before we can really get down to our work. The only people who achieve much are those who want knowledge so badly that they seek it while the conditions are still unfavorable. Favorable conditions never come. This has inspired me to read even more. You you have to go out. You have to seek knowledge. You have to keep doing things. It's never going to be a perfect time to read the book. There's never going to be a spare moment if we don't make that moment to read. And so I've been reading a lot. I've been reading a lot of books. Um... And I had one recommended to me. Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. It's a story about a girl who has OCD and struggles with her mind telling her that things are not quite right. Or telling her that she has, uh, uh, you know, has to do certain things in certain ways or she will be hurt or she'll be injured or... It's just so... I I do not have OCD, but it was such a good picture into the mind of someone who does. Something it really made me think about is overthinking. It's so easy to overthink and to let our thoughts control, like, who we are, what we do, and... and and our pain, right? and our struggles they can really just get down in our soul and and, and make us worry about so many things and and so she's talking to her therapist, this character um, and her therapist puts it so well, explains it so much better than I ever could and she says one of the challenges with pain, physical or psychic, is that we can only approach it through metaphor. It can't be represented in the way a table can or a body can. In some ways, pain is the opposite of language. And then she reads, the therapist reads a quote from uh, something Virginia Woolf wrote. English, which can express the thoughts of Hamlet and the tragedy of Lear, has no words for the shiver and the headache. The merest schoolgirl when she falls in love has shakespeare or keats to speak her mind for her but let a sufferer try to describe a pain in his head to a doctor and language at once runs dry and then she says and we're such language-based creatures that to some extent we cannot know what we cannot name and so we assume it isn't real We refer to it with catch-all terms like crazy or chronic pain, terms that both ostracize and minimize. The term chronic pain captures nothing of the grinding, constant, ceaseless, inescapable hurt. And the term crazy arrives at us with none of the terror and worry you live with, nor do either of those terms connotate the courage people in such pains exemplify, which is why I'd ask you to frame your mental health around a word other than crazy and so in this book her therapist tries to get her to think differently about herself to try and reframe how she she sees herself and her struggles and and not put so much blame on herself because some of these things do just happen to us but it is up to us to, to to respond to them in a way that is best. And that is so hard. But something else she says in this book is that you give your thoughts too much power, Aza. Thoughts are only thoughts. They are not you. You belong to yourself even when your thoughts don't. And I think that's so profound. That you are not your thoughts you can control how to respond to your thoughts and that leads perfectly into another book or another two books i should say that have that as one of their central themes firstly i read howl's moving castle and that is a a wonderfully fun an enjoyable story about the eldest of three daughters who is cursed and turned into a grandmother. She finds a place living in a house with a young boy and a wizard named Howell. And Howell is someone who uh, Sophie, the main character, describes as he's always getting out of things, he's always slipping out of things and, and not being willing to commit to things and, by the end of the book, you realize that they've all been looking at themselves in ways that were not true and were not real. When they're honest with themselves, that is is—that is when she can become herself again and, and how he can let himself truly love someone enough to help them even when it hurts him. He, he is no longer selfish because he's not thinking in those selfish terms, those selfish ways, and and seeing himself as a victim. He takes ownership for his actions, and that's just so, so good. And then there's also another book that follows the same trajectory. Um, Brand new book um, put out by Brandon Sanderson. It's called the Frugal Wizard's Handbook for Surviving Medieval England. And this book is fun. It it takes you back to, it's kind of an alternate dimension thing, um, but basically he's in Medieval England, and, and this main character is from the future, so he has all this fancy tech, but gets transported to Medieval England, is having to make his way through and survive, and he, can't remember who he is at the beginning of the book, and he slowly realizes who he is, and and he slowly realizes what a what a disaster his life is. He he thinks of himself as a failure, and has no good. But then he has a conversation with an old friend, and in that conversation, he tells that friend that sometimes you know life is just tough sometimes just bad things just do happen and and they cause more bad things and and then you just think of yourself as doomed for bad things to happen and so you don't try to change that and it's not until he does try to change it until he he realizes his life does not have to be framed in failure that he can get up and succeed and you know win the day and classic climax of the story they beat the bad guy and all that but it's that moment of realization of reframing his thoughts that is so so good and so that's what i am trying to do for myself inspired by these books inspired by these stories obviously our lives are not stories i am not just a book character I can't just change my whole life just by changing how I think but how we think about ourselves it does matter and and so I challenge you, I challenge myself to not make decisions about your life when things are going bad when you're having a bad day don't make sweeping statements about I'm never going to recover, or this is how it's always going to be because it's not. Another of the books that I read often and has encouraged me and, and, and has themes for almost anything I could talk about is the Bible. And recently I read this verse that ties in with all these other books and has encouraged me so much. And so I wanna read it to you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter four. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and trying to encourage them. And he says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be also seen in our bodies. I just want to share that picture with you that I believe that with God, even though we are suffering, it is for something good, and and it does have a purpose. And I just find a lot of comfort in that. Another book that I read is The Princess and the Goblin by George MacDonald. And this book is meant for kids, but I find with so many books meant for kids that they contain so, so much truth and so many good things um, that we need to know. And so, it's about a princess and a goblin. And this boy named Curdie, and it's actually a lot of goblins, and they're trying to, you know, hurt the humans. Um, and Curdie is this brave boy who does a lot of brave stuff. And the princess uh, has this grandmother, this fairy grandmother, um, who takes care of her and leads her and, and helps her save Curdie at one point. Um, and, and she takes Curdie to meet her grandmother and he can't see her. He can't see what's guiding the princess. And and he gets upset, and she gets upset, and they, they have like an argument, and he leaves. The princess asks her grandmother what she should do, and the grandmother says, in the meantime, you must be content, I say, to be misunderstood for a while. We are all very anxious to be understood, and it is very hard not to be. But there is one thing much more necessary. What is that, grandmother? To understand other people. Yes, grandmother. For if I'm not fair to other people, I'm not worth being understood myself. And I think that was such a wise realization from the princess that how can we expect people to understand what we have to say if we are not also trying to understand them and and how they are not understanding us. I wish I could say to everyone I know that I'll be content to misunderstand you if you'll be content to misunderstand me. Because how often are we obsessed with trying to make other people understand what we have to say And and we really should be obsessed with understanding the people around us and hope that they do the same with us. This is echoed in the conclusion of the weight of glory, the one I mentioned earlier, where C.S. Lewis is talking about how if you believe in a God or if you believe we are eternal people, um, then this adds so much weight to our lives, and so much um, gravity to our existence, that this quote really made me think. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as to the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry snub and exploit immortal horrors or everlasting splendors this does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn we must play but our merriment must be of that kind which exists between people who have from the outset taken each other seriously no flippancy no superiority no presumption next to the blessed sacrament itself Your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses, for in him also Christ, the glorifier and the glorified glory himself, is truly hidden. And that's something else I love about the promise that God gives us, that we are made in his image. And so that is why the golden rule exists. To inspire us to love other people how we would love ourselves because I believe that we will live forever and that the things we do matter books are such a wonderful tool whether fiction or nonfiction there's so so much to be learned so much to be gathered by reading them, and I hope today that I've inspired you to read a book that you've been wanting to read or been meaning to read or someone's been telling you to read for a long time. Just to inspire you a bit more, here is a poem I wrote a while back about how books help me. It's called Chronic Endurance, a poem by yours truly. I feel trapped by claws of pain in my wrists, destroying plans I had mapped through turns, troubles, twists. Humans are built to adapt, but how can I claim my purpose persists with my freedoms kidnapped, dragged down, and growing cysts? My soul is handicapped by thorns that insist they are gifts slowly enwrapped by cheap thrills and mounting to-do lists. In the middle of this misery, how can I fight to exist when I've been slapped and can't even use my fists? These days, I'm surviving on stories with foresight flowing from archetypal eyes. I'm digging through voluble quarries laden with hints from those who survive invested heroes in realms of magic, brawls with blades and scrapes for sanity, memories murmur of turmoil too tragic, yet life before death claims hope for humanity. I cling to the story of God made man, the only one who can know my pain. He too felt nails in wrists, the perfect plan to conquer death and rise again. Mercifully running out of words, chapters cannot capture forever. My joy will be tested by unpleasant verbs, but my faith and my fables will endeavor. In the end, our lives are a story, and we are writing that story every day. And every good book makes references to other books ties itself into the world of stories that have come before it and so I'm glad you are a part of my story I'm I'm so thankful that hopefully I've been able to speak into your story and I just want to let you know that God loves you and I love you and I really hope you have a wonderful day